dropping the hammer. No, you're not. Hello, and welcome to another special episode of Dropping the Hammer with Dan McFadden. I'm Dan McFadden. For the second week in a row, this isn't going to be a normal podcast episode with me and Crow. Uh, this is going to be another interview episode. This week, I'm bringing you an interview with the Vice President of Diversity and Inclusion at NASCAR, Brandon Thompson. I am recording this on Wednesday, June 16th, which is... One year to the day that Thompson uh, was named to that role. Before he was in that role, Thompson uh, served as, as one of the directors of NASCAR's National Touring Series. This week is also the inaugural NASCAR Cup Series race at Nashville Super Speedway. Nashville Super Speedway, uh, which hasn't hosted a NASCAR race since 2011, is actually where Thompson got his start in NASCAR as an intern through the NASCAR's diversity internship program and that was back in 2003 and so in the 18 years since he is now the guy in charge of making nascar a more diverse workplace and i thought it was very important to get his take on his job how he got to it and what are the goals of it in relation to my ongoing my multi-part series at frontstretch.com on the one-year anniversary of NASCAR and, you know, embracing the Black Lives Matter movement. And so he was the final entry in this, or so far to, to date, he's the most recent uh, entry in the series. Uh, you can find that story at um, frontstretch.com. You can also find uh, the video of this interview at youtube.com slash Fadden. But it was really, really nice interview. It was great to get... Uh, uh, Brandon's perspective. We'll be back with a normal episode of the podcast next week, which comes after the race at Nashville, which I will get to cover this weekend uh, in person for FrenchRitch.com. This will be my first time attending a NASCAR race since uh, September 2019 when I covered the race weekend at the Charlotte Roval. So it's been a while. I'm excited. I'm going to be in Nashville for all three days. So, and I've never spent any significant amount of time in Nashville, so it'll be it'll be nice to get a taste of the city. Um, but also, I look forward to being able to share about my experience covering this race in a post, you know, COVID era. Um, I hope I look forward to sharing that with you and with Crow. Here is my interview with Brandon Thompson, NASCAR's Vice President of Diversity and Inclusion. Enjoy. So, so what, what's um? I guess first off, th- th- this is, should be a a big week for you. I, for, I guess for two two reasons. It's your your uh, Wednesday's your one year anniversary in your current position, and also the Cup Series is going to Nashville for the first time. Yes, a, it's uh, it will be a week of of reflection and action at the same time. It's going to be it will be. I've, I have spent some time thinking about that, and it will be. It'll be cool. I'm I'm really excited about this week coming up. So, so as a Nashville boy, what, what does this weekend mean? A lot. I mean, it's 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 literally a, a NASCAR homecoming for me. It's it's the track where I got my start. It's the track where I fell in love with the sport that sort of anchored me. And you know, to your point earlier, how how fitting um, and and almost I don't know surreal that 
I'd be going back on the one year anniversary, um, you know, of, of being placed in this position. And so uh, really excited about that, but it means everything. It's, it's, it's um, great to see that track back online. Uh, great to see the things that are taking place. A lot of the, you know, for my internship days, you know, uh, just as learning about the track and knowing that they were literally, um, the track was built for this, you know, so, um, and to actually see it come to fruition will be cool. So happy for Eric Moses and his staff and the folks at Dover to be able to, to have that come full circle. So, so g- give me a little bit of background. So when you, you, you applied to NASCAR's internship diversity program and yep. you knew nothing about NASCAR at, at, at the time, like how, how old were you? I was, uh, I don't know. 1920 okay somewhere in there um i won't say that i knew nothing but like just more than nothing right so i was aware of uh bobby hamilton and sterling marlin because i'm from nashville and i would hear their name you know on the on the sports updates you know on the local news but that was literally about it (laughs) um i uh, i did not it was not my intent uh, quite frankly daniel even to uh, to to have my internship at the Speedway. I just wanted to go home for the summer, uh, and it just so happened to be where it was, and I found out that it was a NASCAR internship after the fact. After the fact? How, how, how do you find out after the fact? Like So I saw there was a, an internship listing, um, and what I saw was Nashville and internship. Those are two things I saw, and as I continued reading, I found out that it was involving NASCAR. So I, you know, applied and history i guess the uh, the rest they say is history right oh wow okay so yeah. so the, the first the first like i i one of the reasons i, I wanted to talk to you is because i saw you your appearance on the i am athlete podcast yeah. a, a few weeks back it's like okay i probably need to talk to brandon so <laughs> uh, so so i'm guessing the first time you you stood like on a starting grid was like for a truck or xfinity race right it was. Uh, it was an Xfinity Series race, of course, Bush at the time. Um, Scott yeah. Riggs was was the winner that day. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. What, 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 what memories stand out from that weekend? Um, one of them, I would have to say, was literally standing on pit road and listening to the, the, the engines fire up, and that was what hooked me. Um, I remember the guitar in Victory Lane. I remember Scott Riggs and his uh, Nesquik car uh, and and that Ford pulling into victory lane. So those are some of the, some of the highlights. Um, One of the other highlights from my internship broadly, I'm not sure that it was the same day or same race weekend, but was me standing at the exit of turn four waiting for uh, representatives uh, who had won some, some sweepstakes and promotions uh, that we had going on at the track at the time uh, were supposed to meet at the exit of turn four uh, to to commence with their pre-race ceremonies and, and obligations while it was raining and me not realizing that there was not going to be any of that because we didn't race in the rain. So like to, to the point of me not knowing anything about that, I was just an eager intern wanting to be at the place uh, that I had been assigned at the right time. So. so. So I guess before this internship, what was Brandon Thompson like wanting to like go to school for? Like what was your original career path that you thought was going to be the case? Um, I had actually accepted a job in a Target's um, management training program. So I, okay. I was a business administration and marketing major. Uh, and so prior to uh, NASCAR calling, I had accepted a position to be a store manager at Target. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's a very different path. Very much so. <laughs> so, so, okay. So what's your like family background? What, what, what did you, what did your parents do? Uh, my my uh, dad was a lifelong educator, so um, he was a PE teacher starting his career and ultimately uh, retired 
uh, as the assistant superintendent uh, for Nashville Public Schools, and my mom's a nurse. Okay, yep. so describe the conversation where you're like, okay, hey, mom, hey, dad, so this is happening. I'm not going to be a Target store manager. I'm going into NASCAR. What, what, what was that like? Yeah, it was it was interesting because um, again, just sort of the uh, the, the synergies here. I, like I said, I already accepted that position. Uh, I crossed the stage of my uh, college graduation when I got the call from NASCAR HR offering me the job. I don't know that they did that on purpose, um, but I, I did think that that was quite ironic. And so I remember being really excited about obviously having graduated college, and there was a you know a graduate a family function, a graduation party that was planned later, and I kind of walked in with this like dazed and confused sort of state. Um, and, you know, ultimately ended up huddling with, uh, with my parents and one of my uncles and kind of told them what happened. Um, and so they were like, okay, so what are you going to do? And I was, I, I didn't know. Uh, and I got some really good advice from my uncle, which I, I, I always appreciate, um, is he said, Hey, do you think that it's more likely if, if it doesn't work out at NASCAR that you can go back and work at Target or that if it doesn't work out at Target that you can go back and work for NASCAR? And I was like, yeah, I get that. I, thanks for saying it that way. And so off the NASCAR I went. <laughs> wow. So, so, so what was your actual first full-time position? I worked in the series operations department okay. in Daytona beach. Okay, cool. And so flash forward 2020 and you're in charge of like the touring series for the most part. So, yeah. <laughs> so okay. So, I mean, part of this, you know, the series that I, that I wrote is about one, you know, one year since the banning of the Confederate flag and all that and where NASCAR is, a year later, because last June, a lot happened. Yes, sir. Between June 1st and June 10th. Yeah. And and then you get this promotion on June 16th. So I'm, I'm curious, like, when did you find out about the promotion? Like, when, when did this fall onto the timeline for June 2020 for you? Yeah, so I was actually, when when the news broke of my appointment, I was actually standing in, uh, in the dino room in our R&D center uh, because we were doing some things. Uh, and following up on some uh, on some studies that we were doing about engine parity uh, for the ARCA series at the time. And so okay. uh, I'm literally standing in, in the engine dyno room um, when my phone starts going off with all the congratulatory messages and, and things like that. And so I say all that, Daniel, just to say that I was very much so like still entrenched um, with my with my other job um, at, you know, at the at the time. Um, but it was a really exciting time. I knew that. Um, you know, I've, I've always tried to take the approach that uh, whatever I'm doing, uh, I've been very fortunate and blessed. I've worked, obviously, in a lot of different areas of our business and the company. Uh, and whatever I was doing at the time was was really the most important. And so mm -hmm. uh, I thought it was fitting that, you know, as, as things were evolving with us as a company, uh, you know, that I was sort of it needed needed a, needed about a half a day to get, you know, to close out everything I was doing on the touring side in order to uh -huh. be able to start at least somewhat fresh, um, you know, on the you know, on the on the DNI side, but really excited about the steps and the progress that we've made uh, in the, in that time frame. But uh, looking back on that day, it was definitely an exciting time. So sure, surely, when your your phone's blowing up about the promotion, that's not when you discovered you're getting promoted. So sure, surely, there was a conversation you had with someone. Hey, do you want? Oh, to certainly. Promote? Yeah, a couple of days before, we weren't exactly sure. Um, you know, when everything was going to when everything was going to be announced. But Okay. I think maybe a couple of days before we, we had sort of aligned on, you know, my actual official accepting of that. Um, mm -hmm. But like I said, until it was official and things were out, I was all in on the, you know, on the on the ARCA piece. OK, so so was this promotion like a product of everything that was going on in June or was I this? 
something that like was in the works for a little bit. It would have definitely been in the works and not necessarily with me as the person. Uh, but if okay. I'm not mistaken, the first time I, I I knew about this, and of course our executive leadership team may have known about this, you know, probably did um, okay. prior to. But the first time I heard of this, Daniel, was uh, December 2018. So oh wow, it had been in the works for quite some time. And so okay. uh, I'm really glad that you asked that question because that's one of the things that I try to dispel whenever that comes up is that this was actually not a knee jerk reaction. Okay. Um, you know, you know, to everything that was going on. Obviously, it. I think it became and uh, became of greater importance, obviously, given mm. everything that was going on last year. But this was not at all a knee-jerk reaction. And regardless of who was going to be in this position, uh, it had been in the works for some time. And uh, you know, the, the discussions again amongst our executive leadership team that um, an officer-level uh, position uh, in this space uh, was needed. Okay, so uh, like when, when Pete sent me over some documents, like with a timeline of like stuff, and like June sixteenth, your 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 promotion was announced like wow that's yeah huh, okay so yeah. I'm, gl I'm glad I, I i figured that out yeah so, so so just like you're you're still entrenched in the 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 touring series stuff at that time so just take me back to early june like with everything that's going around in the country in the wake of the george floyd stuff um what was it like for you as a black man in that first week of june what was that like for you yeah, it was uh, it was it was heavy. Um, but one of the things I continue to and, and I, I did then and um, even looking back now a year later, uh, praise our executive leadership team for was, you know, how we how they uh, in particular handled that situation. I mean, there were a lot of conversations, um, you know, that even led up to June. Right. But, you know, really taking the time to hear from our employees uh, that, you know, early June was the was really the first meeting of what we now call our employee diversity council okay, uh, okay. with our executive uh, ally council uh, sort of coming together and they obviously did not have names or official titles at that time yeah, um, yeah. but that's you know that was the the start of those and so really just uh, an open exchange uh, and dialogue and what I loved about it was that it was not just black employees it was a it was a broad group of employees who were able to come together so in other words allies people from you know who may practice different religions or people who may identify different like whatever the case is just a, a good group of um, and a good subsect across departments, across different uh, identities, across the company to be able to come talk about their experiences. And that's really where, you know, a lot of the discussion started about what we were going to do about the Confederate flag and just how we were going to handle these things moving forward. So open discussion and dialogue um, was really the key to a lot of it. So yeah, you mentioned that on the I'm Athlete podcast, like I specifically wanted to, to talk about this. So th th that that first meeting that that was between June 1st and uh, the, and when Phelps gives a speech at Atlanta. So it's, mm -hmm. it's right in there. Yep. So like who, who orchestrated that meeting? Like who, who sent out like the first email saying we need to do this kind of meeting? Who, who did that? Yeah, I won't, I won't recall exactly who sent that out. Um, but I know that there was a lot of discussion amongst, um, you know, whether it's Steve Phelps, Steve O'Donnell, uh, you know, at the, at the time, um, you know, those, those two in particular kind of come to mind, but there are a lot of executives across, really across, um, across the, across the company, as you believe HR was involved. And again, so I don't, I don't know exactly who it was that sent out the email, but just, uh, there was a, it was a group effort and a group, a, a team lift for sure. So, so I'm guessing that this meeting took place over zoom. Correct. absolutely did yeah <laughs> i was i was sitting at my kitchen table <laughs> so so okay so what describe some of the conversations like what was something maybe you learned from that conversation that you weren't anticipating 
Yeah, I can't, I can't say. So I think one of the things that was confirmed for me, Daniel, was just how much um, our team cared, right, and how much mm-hmm. support uh, you know that that we had internally, um, you know, amongst the amongst the employee ranks and 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 you know, clear up through the through the top of our organization because there was a lot of listening uh, that that took place. Uh, there were there were tears that, quite frankly, that were shed. Um, in hearing some of the, the about some of the experiences and, and just uh, what people were going through and dealing with at the at the time, um, and so I think it was just a good time to to for everyone to to learn uh, and to to hear you know frankly what what some of the weight was that you know diverse employees you know share sometimes when things like this or things like that were occurring with George Floyd and Breonna uh, Taylor um, you know at, at that particular time how that was affecting the way people, you know, showed up at work uh, and, and, and um, how that quite frankly affected, you know, their, their approach to work, you know, the need for an outlet to be able to discuss these things and the appreciation that employees felt for being able to have that open dialogue and exchange with, with upper management was really important. So, so during that time period, what, what was the most difficult thing for you that you were going through? Uh, really just processing, um, how the things outside of NASCAR, right, were affecting the things that, you know, that NASCAR was doing. And so for us to be able to, you know, have a statement, for Steve to be able to come out, Phelps, I'm talking about now, to make the statement in Atlanta and, and make our stance public, um, you know, to the, to the world that everyone knew exactly where NASCAR stood, despite, you know, probably some negative um, perceptions uh, and, and assumptions about the sport and where we were. One of the things that I've always said, Daniel, is that, um, you know, I really think that there has been a misconception that people inside NASCAR didn't care about things like this, and that could not have been further from the case. But I also don't under understate the importance of us taking a public stance on those things. So, you know, when you look back at some of our programming and some of the things that we've had, I mean, the, you know, about my, we were we started our conversation by talking about the diversity internship program. It's been around for 21 years now. So this is, you know, talks of diversity and wanting to move the needle in that area and that space is nothing new for NASCAR at all. Uh, but that public stance uh, was yeah. really important. And so. Um, you know, sort of level setting, you know, not only to the industry, but to, you know, our fan base, uh, to prospective fans, to our partners, uh, and, and most importantly, to to our own employees, right, about where exactly we stood on, on issues as it relates to that uh, was really important. And so that, that was the biggest thing that stood out to me. So, uh, I mean, uh, it's an easy question to ask what that, you know, day in Atlanta meant for you, but you have a painting back there behind your wall of yeah. that day. So, yeah. I guess first off, who painted that? Uh, no, it's it's not a painting. It's oh. it's actually a, a photograph. I'll move over so you can oh, see. Oh, okay. It's, an, it's a photograph. Okay. Um, All right. Everybody. Yeah, I do, I, I do think that that was a significant um, moment in our in our in, you know in the sports history um, because. You know, while while not at all comparing Bubba Wallace to you know any of the you know the greats, so to speak, you know at this point in his career, in terms of on track stuff, I do I do believe you know when you talk about the Dale Earnhardt seniors and the Dale Earnhardt juniors and the Jimmy Johnsons and Jeff Gordons and um, you know some some other folks who have sort of led the way in terms of you know their leadership of you know of the sport and and yeah. sort of rallying their peers around whatever the you know the the topic of their of their particular era was. 
I think that Bubba is is right in line with that in terms of, you know, social justice and diversity and inclusion and things like that for NASCAR. And so I think he certainly stepped into that leadership role uh, and, and he deserves a lot of credit for how he handled the situations, situations, um, you know, uh, throughout last year. And it, it's he, he deserves uh, still you know, a year later to be to be lauded for that. So I, I guess like. What was the day like for you? Like, I guess, watching from home on TV, the, the, the speech, see, seeing Bubba wearing that, wearing that the I can't breathe shirt. And then, you know, the, the, the video that the drivers produced, like, so what was that as a guy who'd been in the sport for 20 some years, what was watching that like for you? It was, it was emotional. Uh, and it was, but it was also a day, uh, quite frankly, Daniel, that I always felt like would come. I didn't, when I say that, I don't know exactly, I didn't know having my head that this was exactly obviously how it was going to play out, but I never doubted, um, you know, sports intentions. Right. And even, you know, sort of flashing forward a little bit, um, to, to Talladega. And I think that was the biggest display uh, for anyone to, to have, to have seen about where NASCAR stood because it was not, the executives, it wasn't the fans, it was the industry, it was car owners, it was pit crew members, it was other drivers, right, who yeah. rallied around Bubba um, to show support, you know, for, for everything that had taken place. And so um, I, I now kind of going back to Atlanta, I, I never doubted that that, you know, that, that that was the character of the of the industry. And I knew that. And I think it was just great for for the world to be. So like on, on the I'm athlete podcast. You you said you know we as a country were going through a racial reckoning last yep. summer. Did you did, as NASCAR? Did you see this as NASCAR going through its own reckoning of sorts? Or no, um, I think it was just a matter of us making our stance public, right? And I think that so I don't know. I, I don't want to call that a, a society. Listen, and so NAS to the to the extent that NASCAR is part of broader society, yes, it was a it was a racial reckoning. But specific to NASCAR. Mm. No, I wouldn't call it that, but I do think it was just um, a time for us to, 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 you know, to again draw a line in the sand and make sure that everyone understood exactly where we, where we as a sport and as a league uh, stood on those types of issues. Okay, so to flash forward to June 10th, um, NASCAR comes out with their announcement, you know, a little bit late in the evening that yep. the Confederate flag uh, banned. So, as a guy who grew up in Tennessee, um, what? What were your thoughts towards the, the Confederate flag as a symbol um, growing up and going into just last year? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's a symbol of, of hate um, to, a, to a lot of folks. And I understand that there's debate around that. And some people will say that that's not exactly what it means. And, you know, that will leave the debates to the debaters, I guess. But um, our point was this, is that if, if that flag was a barrier to entry into the sport, why would we continue to, to allow it? Um, these are Marty Smith's words uh, that I've kind of tailored, but it was the notion that he had. And then I think, you know, Bubba repeated it, but it, it, it I said it a lot last year and it, it bears repeating is that the banning of the Confederate flag was not um, a sign or symbol of exclusion to anyone, but it was about inclusion to everyone. And, and that's really where we've, where we've stayed, uh, stood with that. That's, that's the stance that we've taken on that is that um, if, if that was the barrier of entry to a lot of folks into the sport, remove it. So, so I guess when when the the email alert went out about that and that landed and you saw it, what, what was your reaction? Was it was that something you'd wanted to see happen? Oh, certainly. And it, um, you know, we those discussions go you know go back. That was part of the again the employee diversity council. You know, those yeah. internal discussions where folks were really able to uh, express you know, their thoughts and feelings about about that. Um, 
and and so it wasn't a shock i guess is what i'm saying you know there was obviously some discussion and, and we at that point had some had some um, heads up that, that 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 was coming down the pipe but um yeah it was it was a i feel like again another very historic day and moment in the sports history and and, and one that we can all look back on and and be proud of i mean i only ask because i personally never thought that nascar would do that and then like you know like i said a lot happened in a 10-day in a window yeah that, that led to it so it's just I mean, I really thought it wouldn't happen. So I'm really curious yeah, whether you ever yeah, thought it would. You, I never, I never doubted that it would happen. I didn't know when. I couldn't tell you the day and the time and all of that. But I, I, I never, I never doubted that. I think um, one thing NASCAR has always been good about, broadly, right, is evolution, and you you can't stay stagnant. And so that goes back that you know that that notion of of being innovative and continuing to evolve and those types of things literally go back to the the very origins of the sport um, from when they were founded. And so um, as, as excuse me, as we've gotten smarter in our business practices and how we approach things um, all the way around, be that from, again, from a partnership standpoint, from an on-track standpoint, uh, uh, you know, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and social justice are no different. Uh, we've made strides continually over my time and tenure here. Uh, and that was, you know, I, I never doubted that we would reach that day. Um, and so, you know, again, just uh, happy to see it uh, happen. Okay, so you you finally get this this new job on June sixteenth. So like, what's your first official action? Like, okay, this is day one of my new job. What's the first thing you do as the VP of Diversity and Inclusion for NASCAR? Yeah, so obviously meet the team. Uh, very very tactical in terms of like you know just sort of um and you know luckily had had a good relationship with the with the team uh, prior to just you know sort of working on some other things you know, throughout throughout their tenure and mine here at the, here at the company, but um, really focused a lot of our efforts immediately on, on internal, the internal workings um, and, and what NASCAR was doing to, uh, in order to get our own house in order in terms of our employment practices and, you know, recruitment practices. So really spent a lot of time really trying to delve into the, the, the inner workings of, uh, of those types of things. And so uh, it took a while, but one of the first things that we, you know, that we huddled about with the team was, you know, what do, how do we formalize what is now known as the Employee Diversity Council? How do we formalize what is now known uh, as the Executive Ally Council? You know, how do we start to uh, to form employee resource groups uh, and those types of things? And that, that's really uh, where we started was we wanted to make sure that NASCAR first and foremost as a company and an employer uh, ha had all of our ducks in the row and that we were actually practicing what we were preaching uh, more broadly. You know, certainly understand that we can't ask the industry uh, to, to do things that we are not doing ourselves. And so just uh, making sure, you know, a lot of those policies were already in place, just making sure that, you know, that those things were, were continue to be in place and that anything additional that needed to be added was there. So, so for the, the employment employee diversity council, that that's a quarterly thing. They meet, meet every, once every quarter. Correct. Uh, yeah, roughly somewhat somewhere around there, obviously, given race schedules and that. So it may be yeah. a little quicker than a quarter or maybe, you know, a, a little longer in some cases, but generally, yeah, it's a quarterly meeting with that group. So, so since that, the first meeting in that first week of June last year, the, the, I guess just, you know, roughly a handful of times that you would have met, like, what, how's the conversation evolved in the last year with, between that group? Where, where are you guys at right now? Yeah, in terms of, in terms of that group, we're really still, uh, quite frankly, Daniel, working on, you know, internal, internal policies and procedures. So, you know, as a, as a result, some of the things that have come out of that, We've now got in four, uh, four employee resource groups, um, those being Black employee resource groups, uh, Latinx, women, uh, and LGBTQ+. Um, 
And so one of the things we, we talk about is, you know, how do they, th those things evolve, you know, as a support system and, and frankly, as, as places for allies to be able to learn uh, and educate, crossing over into those things, you know, some of the um, organizational partnerships that we, that we announced earlier this year in terms of the Trevor Project. So, you know, with this being Pride Month, I think it's, it's, it's timely to, you know, to bring up, and I think it's a great example when you ask sort of where are we, is that, you know, our alignment with the Trevor Project is directly going to affect you know, the education uh, in that space with uh, the LGBTQ plus ERG, which is named Pride Pride Plus, uh, hosting an information session with the Trevor Project, right, just solely based on education uh, and, and, and educating our employee base uh, on, on the issues, you know, that are prevalent uh, in the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, I think that's a great example. And so we're going to continue to, to drive change from those groups to provide support uh, for those groups and really be a safe space uh, for people to be able to uh, to come and confide. Uh, but also, you know, how are we interacting with our executive leadership team is something that's also really, really important. And so just those conversations will continue to evolve as we continue to drive change internally. Another thing in, in the, the stuff that Pete sent me was uh, stuff about the NASCAR opinion leader initiative. Mm -hmm. Is that something that falls under your purview? Yes. So, so Absolutely. So it's, it seems very community outreach oriented and talking to people like near near track. So explain to me a little bit what the goal of that is. Yeah. The, so exposure, quite frankly, Daniel, in, in, a, in a word, the 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 goal of the opinion leader program is to expose um, different demographics uh, to the sport. And so uh, be that, you know, whether it's black fans, uh, women groups, so we've worked we've worked in the past with all types of organizations on that. Uh, actually coming up this weekend in Nashville, uh, it, partly through our our uh, partnership with the Boys and Girls Club, we've got uh, students from two, I believe, uh, uh, throughout the course of the weekend, Boys and Girls Club, uh, Boys and Girls Clubs that are attending the race. Uh, okay. We've got folks from Tennessee State University who are who are slated to come out as well. Um, so just uh, really, it's about exposure uh, and, and making sure that people are immersed in the sport and to really just dispel some of the uh, some of the maybe negative connotations that people have. Uh, you know, we really feel like our superpower is getting people to the racetrack. Sometimes it's, you know, it's it's a lot more difficult to get people to the racetrack the first time than it is the second. And so mm -hmm. uh, it, this that's all, what the opinion leader program is all about is getting people to the racetrack for the first time. So for me, in your opinion, what's the biggest hurdle that NASCAR faces both internally and externally with, with the goals you, you want to achieve as the v VP of diversity and inclusion? W what are you working the hardest against? I think it's the the negative perceptions and connotations uh, is really dispelling a lot of those, uh, you know, some of which are myths and rumors. And, you know, to be fair, some of those things that have been, you know, that have been earned over the course of history. And so yeah. uh, it's, it's, we have to change the way that we're perceived, um, you know, in the demographics that we seek to, you know, seek to grow and expand to. So what what's diversity? Is, there's, there's no like ultimate pie in the sky thing. Oh, we've, we've accomplished diversity. It, it's always like going to be like a moving target to some degree. So like with that in mind, how, how do you approach um, your job on a, just a day-to-day -day basis, knowing you're never going to like reach, cut the ribbon at the end of, at the end of the marathon? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Uh, we, we certainly view this, uh, you know, the notion of diversity, equity, and inclusion are all um, individual journeys and not destinations. To your point, there's no place to to draw the line and say, okay, hey, we've arrived, we've made it. But I do think that there are, you know, some, some things that we're working on uh, and, and some metrics that we have, um, you know, that, that we can build ourselves to. So we know that we're always going to be judged as a sport by butts and seats and TV ratings and those types of things. And that's, you know, 
that's that's what the opinion leader uh, program is for. We know that we're going to be judged based on you know how we're bringing uh, folks into our own uh, company and then industry-wide uh, staffing, right? And so that's what the internship program uh, is for. So we've got some some tools and mechanisms in place. You know, obviously, um, even the on-track product, right, which is obviously the you know the thing that's most fan-facing, uh, yeah. whether it's our pit crew development program or our drive for diversity program, we've seen those things bear fruit. And so we're going to continue down the path of those things that we know that are working uh, and that are helping us achieve some of the metrics that we have. And that, you know, those are the things that we'll continue to push. So, so what's been the biggest like shift for you in going from being part of, you know, in charge of the touring series to this, because it's completely different, you know, I would imagine wavelengths on some level for that you're operating on. What's been the biggest change for you in the last year? Um, the biggest change, I would, I would say probably having the, the shift away from being at track, uh, to being more, um, in some ways more office based. So, um, that's one of the things that, you know, that I really enjoy about the opinion leader program is that that's our way out of the office, um, <laughs> is to expose people, you know, to the sport. And so, uh, we're certainly keeping busy with that, but I think that's the biggest change is obviously when you're, you know, when you're dealing with the stuff in the touring series, it's very, uh, very much track um you know dependent in a lot of cases you've got to be able to see and talk to the competitors the car owners your officials and those sorts of things and you know you know obviously leveraging and enforcing rules at the track and tech and all that sort of stuff yeah um uh is very high touch in terms of the racetrack not having that obviously due to covid but then just again you know dealing you know knowing that um you know a lot of our work is is office based has probably been the biggest change (laughs) so What's it like for you when, when, when you go to like to like family reunions and, and stuff and everyone sh- sharing that, oh, this is how my job is going lately. What's it like when you, you get asked about NASCAR at family functions? Yeah, to be honest, it comes up. I don't want to say that it, that it doesn't come up because it absolutely does. And so, you know, people are generally aware because it's a, you know, sort of a more of a public thing, right? So, hey, I you know, saw that Bubba ran well the other day, or maybe Bubba didn't run so well. What's the, you know, what's the, you know, what's going on? Or, you know, I, I heard you all made this announcement or that announcement. Um, so it's, it, it's, uh, it's, a, it's more so focused on the things that people can, can read about um, and, and, and see. Uh, but, you know, just one of the things that excites me about it is just the opportunity to continue to, um, you know, be an ambassador for the sport. And I know that may sound cliche, but, you know, even with amongst my family and, and, and friends group, there's a lot of people who haven't been to the racetrack. So continually trying to, you know, to, to get them like, hey, we're coming to your city. And, and we've gotten a lot of takers on that. Um, and Nashville will be no exception again. So we're looking looking forward to that. There will be certainly be some family uh, and very close friends who will be out, out at the track, most of which for the first time. Um, so at least certainly in this capacity. And so um, you got to continue to, you know, to, to promote the, the actual product, um, you know, which is, which is what we focus on as a company, which is close, close door to door racing. So with the, the, the NASCAR opinion leader initiative, can you give me an example of an opinion leader you've interacted with that stood out to you over, over the last, the last year? Yeah, we've, uh, and it, it kind of, it runs the gamut. So everyone from, you know, whether it's um, hip hop artists, you know, big crit who came to Atlanta, but literally down to, you know, actual fans. And so, the, you know, again, the, the folks at the, um, the Boys and Girls Club and some of those uh, groups that we're going to have out this weekend, it, you know, uh, we believe, you know, from the opinion leader standpoint that there are certainly influencers who are opinion leaders, but it's really about the grassroots part of it as well, is that we've got, a, you know, literally a lot of hand-to-hand combat in terms of, um, 
bringing people to the track and having them have positive interactions. Um, so whether it's an Alvin Kamara who came to uh, who, who came to Daytona, obviously, and then you saw, you know, how, you know, how excited he was and jumping on board with with Ryan Vargas, you know, for a couple races, um, you know, those are, are are the few that that stand out. But anytime we can bring people to the track and they have a, you know, have a great time. There was a group out in Texas this weekend that took in the all star race and those fest festivities of uh, the Xfinity and truck races. Um, and so, uh, you know, while there's some names that may be more recognizable, um, you know, who we've brought to the track as part of that as part of that program. All the all the groups that we bring, uh, you know, matter uh, in, in one way or the other because you know you've got to kind of hit it from from all aspects uh, around to make sure that we're that we're getting the word out that NASCAR is a great place to come and uh, and enjoy some some racing. So so for your department, like what wh what are some short term projects you're currently working on and some long term projects that you guys are going to be I guess just working on th through the next year or so. Yeah, short term, I'd say it's, you know, really looking for, you know, rounding out uh, Pride Month and, and finishing out our programming there. Um, so really excited about about that and the support that we've been able to garner. But I, I would say more long long term, uh, it is about standing up those, you know, internal internal policies, continuing to work with our uh, diversity uh, and inclusion committee, you know, for the industry and seeing how we can move forward in some of those areas. Supplier diversity is another big uh, initiative that we have that we're continuing to build upon. Um, and so basically in all in all different aspects, there's a few different a few different goals. But, you know, our internship program is is in full swing now. They're in their second week. And so it sort of depends on which area, you, you know, we're, we're talking about. But um, short term internship program, Pride Month, rounding those things out, more long term initiatives, certainly um, a little bit more strategic in terms of our supplier diversity initiatives, uh, some of our uh, partnerships and continuing to work, you know, really across the industry to, to push these to the forefront. So, so as a guy who didn't realize, you know, back in the day that NASCAR couldn't run in the rain at Nashville, <laughs> at, what, at what point did you like feel like you had a really good grasp or understanding of NASCAR as a sport, but also just like the culture around it? How, how long was it till you were like comfortable with NASCAR as a whole, I guess? Yeah, it's uh, a good question. Probably, I'd say the first level of comfort I probably achieved was after the first year and a half or two um, in, uh, in the series operations department. It's a, the great part about that department is that you get to re, uh, interact with so many different folks from car owners to drivers to sponsors. Um, you know, you, you, you really start to learn a lot about the business from a lot of different aspects, obviously interact, uh, in, interacting with the, with the tracks and things like that. So you get a sense of how, how the business works sort of soup to nuts. Um, but, you know, quite frankly, that as we continue to evolve, there's all there's always learnings that we can, you know, that we can have. And so uh, continuing to learn more, you know, day to day, uh, you, when you look at the advent of or the next gen car and, and all these things that we're even embarking upon, there's going to be, uh, you know, another learning curve, you know, even even then. So exciting stuff. And that's the that's the that's the great thing about about NASCAR is that, you know, we're really passionate about what we do. The team is really passionate about what we do here. And there's always more to more to learn and always uh, areas to grow. So, so what, what, what's like a, what's like a day, day in your life? Like, like what, what's your typical schedule for the VP of diversity and inclusion? It depends on the day. Um, so there's, you know, uh, interviews and calls like we're doing, like we're doing now, but um, you know, earlier in the week, uh, last week before kind of taking a couple of days, a couple of days off was really just taking the time to kind of think and, and, and level set, you know, here we are to your point a year from uh, a year, just about from the appointment, you know, sort of taking, taking notes and, and reflecting on, you know, what things we've, we've done well, you know, what, what are areas that we still would like to grow uh, and develop in 
Uh, and then what does the remainder of this year and the first part of next year look like uh, in terms of our strategy? And so um, just really a lot of, uh, you know, it's a good balance between the, the very tactical day-to-day -day things uh, and travel and those sorts of things uh, with also balancing, you know, how, how do we continue to, to look forward and sort of uh, look down the line and how we'd like to see things evolve. Okay. And so, so I assume you're, go you're going to be at Nashville this weekend? I absolutely will be. Yep. All right. I, I'm too. I'm, it's the first race I'm covering since September 2019. So, oh, wow. Look so, forward to having you out. I am. I'm looking forward to it. So I'm definitely excited. It's been, you know, almost two years. So <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to be back at track. So sure. did, I think you said that you're going to have family members out there for the first time, too. Yes. So what, 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 what's the Brandon Thompson like tour like? Like what, what are you going to do with with your family at the track? Um, still, it's still a lot in, uh, <laughs> in planning uh, for that, quite frankly, but I uh, hope to be able to get them down into the garage, uh, you know, a little bit and kind of take them through there, uh, show them around the facility. Again, as it'll be a lot of be uh, their first times, uh, a lot of them to be out uh, and really want to take them up to the grandstands uh, and have them just be, be able to take that in from an, from an actual fan standpoint. That's one of the things I'm really big on is, um, the first few times at track with me, there will be no sweets or, or any of that. Like you, you gotta be able to, to, to see it and feel it, smell um, it. you know, smell it, all that, you know, it, it to get all the sensories uh, involved and, uh, and that. So I, they're, they're all looking forward to it. And so, yeah, probably, you know, hopefully a quick sweep through the garage to show them, show them the cars and how all that stuff works, uh, you know, on the ground level, but then be able to actually take in the experience uh, from the grandstand. So, so your, your kids, how into NASCAR are they? Uh, getting there. My son's four. And so he's been to, to a few races. We went to Martinsville earlier this year. He, he went to his first race actually at, at, uh, at Myrtle beach a couple years ago. Uh, so he's, he's going to be at the track, uh, this weekend as well. So it'll be his first taste of, uh, of, of staying at the track. So excited about that on father's day weekend. And so for us to be able to spend a little time and him, you know, be able to see what dad does a little bit, uh, and just experience that community that is, you know, the, the, the infield on a, on a week to week basis is really exciting. I guess I guess for my, my, my last question is like so as a kid who was just interned at National Super Speedway, you know, 20 some odd years ago, if I had told you then that you'd be in this position that you are now. Yeah. Like, what would you have responded to that? Like, what, what do you think your reaction would have been? I think I would have probably said something like, really? Um, not that like um, not that I didn't believe or 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 think that it could happen. Um, but I've, I've really taken the approach throughout my throughout my time and senior in the in the industry to um, to go all in on whatever the task was or whatever department I was in at that time. I sort of mentioned that earlier and I did not necessarily have plans to end up in this particular spot in this particular uh, position, certainly in this in this time, um, you know, that we're in as a as a world, quite frankly, uh, as, you know, as, as, as we're looking at all the things that we're dealing with. But um, I think I would have certainly been excited about it and, and wanted to know, you know, what the what the next step was and what the what the future after that, you know, looks like as, as I am now. So uh, exciting times and continuing to take it take it day by day and just sort of take it all in. Thank thank you, Brandon, for taking time off of, uh, on your first day back from vacation to, to talk to me. I really appreciate it. So um, and ha have fun this weekend. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll get to say hi to you in the garage at some point. For sure. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Dane. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out our YouTube channel for more content like this.
If you want to get in touch with us, you can find Daniel on Twitter at, at Daniel McFadden and look out for more articles from him on frontstretch.com.